Turn with me to Daniel chapter 10. So we're going to continue to work through the book of Daniel. We'll be in Daniel for a couple more weeks, and then we're going to start a series in the book of Philippians. And so I encourage you to be reading that one as well, to read ahead. And again, we're going to finish Daniel first. Got a couple more weeks in Daniel. Before we go to Daniel 10 this morning, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Our Lord Jesus, as we come before You this morning, as we open Your Word, we pray that You would help us with it. As we are moving on through this great book, we have left seemingly a lot of stones unturned even as we've gone through this book just because of our own lack of understanding. And so we pray that as we come to this passage today that You would use it to change us, that You would use it to show us who You are more and more, that we might glorify Your name, that we might know how to glorify Your name as we learn more of You and as we learn more of what You require of us from Your Word. We pray this in Your holy name. Amen. So as I read through this passage today, or this week as I studied, it made me think of a couple books that I read as a young believer. There were two books that really helped to kind of broaden broaden my understanding of the spiritual world. And those books were called This Present Darkness and then Pure Darkness, both of them by a man named Frank Peretti. And while I do not endorse many of the theological conclusions that the books or the writer make, I do appreciate his ability to show us the world beyond what we can see. And it's definitely a fictionalized account of that, but I think they're still very good. Help me to see that while God is in control, there are still many spiritual forces out there that are vying for control over the lives of the world, over the lives of the people in the world. And God cannot lose this contest, right? God is sovereign over it, absolutely sovereign, but it is something that is still actively occurring. It is something that I have to constantly remind myself, even as a a science-minded person, as a Reformed minister, that these spiritual things are happening that I can't explain, even if it makes me uncomfortable. Our text in Daniel today begins... With the, begins the conclusion of this book. The last three chapters kind of steer the book in a different direction. And the conclusion we are introduced this, we are introduced to this great conflict that is occurring in the spiritual realm. We're also going to see how this conflict has repercussions in the physical realm in which we live today, the one that Daniel lived in then. That Daniel is directly affected by the things that he hears about in the spiritual world, but he is also able to have an effect on the spiritual world through his prayers. As we come to the text today, we'll look at the, we'll look at it from an internal perspective, the battle that's happening within each of us. Also, this battle that's happening externally, these external forces that are at play. But I also want to look at the fact that we have victory, ultimately, in Jesus Christ. And that he has secured victory over his, or over sin and death, the powers of hell for all of his people for all time. So with that, we'll look at 
three main ideas, the internal battle, the external war, and then finally the eternal victor. So with that, let's look together at the text, Daniel chapter 10, and we're going to read through Daniel chapter 11, verse 1. If you will please stand with me in the honor of the reading of God's holy word. Daniel 10, starting at verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar. And the word was true, and it was a great conflict, and he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the three weeks. On the twenty-fourth day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from uppas around his waist. His his body was like burl, his face the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled and hid to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sounds of the sound of his words, and I heard the sounds of his words, and I fell on my face in a deep sleep, with my face on the ground." And behold, a hand touched me and set trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from from, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me twenty-one days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia. And I came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is, the, is for the days yet to come. When I had spoken to me, when he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. And behold, one in the likeness of the children of man touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke, and I said to him who stood before me, O Lord, my, by reason of vision, of the vision, pains have come upon me, and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now no strength remains in me, and no breath is left in me. Again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me, and he said, O man greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, Do you not know I have come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you that that what is inscribed in the book of truth, there is none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince. And as for me, in the first year of Darius the Mede, I stood up to confirm and strengthen him. Amen. This is God's word. You may be seated.
So just a quick context. Remember in chapter 9, Daniel prayed for the people of God and he sent, and God sent a messenger to him who gave him this difficult vision concerning Israel's future. But there was hope in that vision. As we see the person and the work of Christ, the life and the work of Jesus isn't without difficulty for him or for his people, even after the foretelling of the destruction of the temple of, uh, in AD 70. We talked about that a little bit last week and the dispersion of the nation of Israel in particular, but really the whole church in general was going to have difficulty during this time. Well, if you fast forward just a few years, we have this vision given during Cyrus's third year, what we're told, and again, it troubles Daniel. Daniel's having trouble with this vision. Many times our overall view of the Christian life comes from those first few years that we have in Christ. As I think about this passage, it makes me think of that. For me, those first few years as Christians were filled with excitement and joy, getting to know my fellow believers, and I was in in university at the time, coming to love the church, reading and understanding God's Word for the first time, and being so excited about all the things. I had a zeal for study and studying God's Word and the things of God's Word, a zeal for evangelism. I wanted to learn as much as I could about all the things out there. And I just took up everything. Theology, history, even like biblical languages was learning all I could. And that's when the trouble started to seep in. And the trouble changed me. Like Daniel, I was troubled. But it took much less to trouble me than visions of the future of some great conflict. But it was the mundane struggles of this life that troubled me and caused me to doubt called me to go into my default position, which is negative about anything and everything. And from there on, it's been a fight in the Christian life, which has been almost 30 years for me as a believer. And I've come to realize that this is just really the normal condition for the believer. The mercies of God permitted me a time of tremendous ease and growth But the real struggle of the Christian life, the real understanding of this world that we live in, began and it stayed around. And this isn't unique to my experience. This is pretty much what we all experience in Christ. We all see this to varying degrees. Even those who have grown up in Christian homes as as covenant children, there comes a time or will come a time when you'll understand this struggle that not everything is as it seems. One of the things I appreciate about Daniel is that he does not shield us from this idea at all, but allows us to watch him go through it in these various difficulties as he himself has had to kind of go through this roller coaster also. It helps us understand that while those difficulties are internal, that there's quite a bit of external influence going on as well. That brings us to the first point, the internal battle. Look with me again at verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, and the word was true, and it was a great conflict. And he understood the word and having and had understanding of the vision. It's interesting fact to pick up on here is that this is the third year of Cyrus, who was the king of Persia. In the first year of Cyrus, what happened is that Cyrus issued a decree that the Jewish people would be able to return home to Israel and begin the building process or rebuilding process for that nation. This was great news, right, for the people of Israel. Yet Daniel was receiving this vision in the third year and not from a new temple 
in Jerusalem. We don't read about him being in Jerusalem among his people while he's receiving this, but yet we read in verse 4 that he is beside the river Tigris, which is back in old Babylon. Another thing, while we aren't explicitly told this, we know that the Passover happens during the first month of the Hebrew calendar, during this time that Daniel alludes to here. So in all likelihood, Daniel is experiencing this vision and this time of fasting and difficulty during the Hebrew Passover, which should be a time of rejoicing. And while he he should be back in Jerusalem, for whatever reason, he's not. He's still in Babylon. And in verse 2 or 3, we read that he was in mourning. Verse 2 and 3, In those days I, Daniel, was in mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for three full weeks. His mourning was just a kind of fasting as well. He didn't eat or drink. He only did ate or drank the most basic of things. He chose not to anoint himself with oil, which was a normal part of the life of people who live out there because it's a desert. And so he just his skin was dry, he was hungry, he was thirsty. Why did Daniel choose to do this? Well, most commentators agree, as he links it back to that time there in Israel, most commentators agree that Daniel's doing this because of his concern of what's going on back home during this time. The first year of Cyrus, they got to go back to Israel. The third year of Cyrus, which would have been two years later for the people in Jerusalem, not everything is going as it should have. Not everything is what it would seem. While the return to Jerusalem was filled with hope, the first two years of that return were difficult years. There was political and economic struggles, which in turn led to spiritual discouragement and the halt of the rebuilding program of the temple. And so all these things that they just thought were going to be great were now kind of falling apart. No one that went back to Israel remembered the time when the temple was there and the time before those in those glory days of Israel, so to speak. And so it was hard to encourage the people to work for something that they could only imagine must have existed in this time that they don't even know about. So Daniel, who knew these things, mourned. He prayed for the people of God, offering up words to God on behalf of the people that he loved so much. And as I read about Daniel's mourning and his prayers as we read that he that he was beseeching the Lord later, I really thought long and hard about these first few voice verses of Daniel 10. And I started thinking about all the different situations that we get ourselves in in this life, whether physical or emotional, even spiritual problems. We can have them even internally. We can witness others go through these types of things. We even walk with them as we do or as they go through them. We watch whole churches struggle through these difficult times or whole families struggle through various difficult times and as they experience difficulty in this life. And the one uniting principle under everything, under all the trouble that we experience in this world, is that ultimately each of them are situations that we cannot control. And while there may be certain aspects of those situations that we can control, ultimately so much of what we go through is beyond our scope and or ability to even deal with. can't imagine even as an unbeliever, for an unbeliever, what is there at the end of this? It's just complete hopelessness. For many, uh, many of the common escapes 
that you that you know about in the world, whether it be drug use, alcohol abuse, suicide. These are things that are all on the rise in the world today because what hope is there other than just to see life end? Yet for the believer, we are left with the only thing that we have really when it comes to this life, and that's prayer. Over and over in Daniel, he demonstrates to us that when a believer is experiencing difficulty, he or she should pray. His prayers show his heart and for his people and his desire for their well-being. It's not just a physical desire, but in every realm of their lives. Brothers and sisters, we do well to remember this in our lives because we don't have any other way to directly affect the world around us or to influence God's hand in this world other than prayer. While God is sovereign and He acts according to His own purposes and His own pleasures, we also know that He uses means. And one of the means that He continually uses to accomplish His purposes are the prayers of the saints. In Ephesians 6, Paul reminds us that we should be praying at all times in the Spirit with all kinds of prayer and supplication. We'll refer to this chapter quite a bit today, Ephesians chapter 6, if you want to turn there for later, because we're... What it's dealing with is spiritual warfare, exactly what Daniel is dealing with here. And prayer is our weapon, as it's a direct line to the one who fights on our behalf. And that brings us to the second point, the external war. Look with me again at verses 5 and 6. I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen, with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist, His body was like burl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw this vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. There's this man that Daniel comes into contact with whose appearance is such that Daniel, you can kind of get the idea that Daniel's trying to figure out ways to describe him, right? Some of the things just don't make any sense to us. His voice sounds like a multitude. It's hard for us to even understand that, right? So Daniel's trying to figure out a way to describe a face that has the appearance of lightning. It's just, just, these are just hard things for Daniel to describe and he's left afraid. Even though he's the only one that saw the vision, everyone else just ran. They probably didn't even know why they were running. And it even changed Daniel's appearance. It says that his radiance left him, that he became pale and his strength left him. We don't know who this man is that that came to meet Daniel. Some would say some sort of emissary of God, like an angel, kind of like the ones that we've seen so far. Others would say maybe it's the pre-incarnate son, Jesus Christ, here with Daniel. I'm honestly not very sure. I'm just going to refer to this man as an angel from here on out or just a man because we don't know. But some of the things the messenger goes through, this being held up for 21 days, makes me believe that it's probably some kind of angel. I don't think that the identity is all that important to the text or we would be told otherwise. Yet either way, we know that this angel, this this man is directly from God as he has the very glory of God in his appearance and his stature. And while he is fearful in appearance, notice how gentle he is with Daniel. Let's look at verses 10 through 12. 
And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. So he kind of repositions Daniel and encourages him and reminds him that he is greatly loved. We saw that in chapter 9. We see that a couple times here. He tells Daniel that he's actually planned to come see him. Right, that he, as soon as he heard his words, as soon as Daniel began praying during that three weeks of fasting, that he had planned to come see him, but he was delayed. Verse 13, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia. And I came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for the days yet to come. So this man that is obviously not of this world begins talking about other things that are obviously not of this world. This man that was so great in stature and appearance that his mere presence caused Daniel to tremble and nearly pass out, was delayed for 21 days by some figure called the Prince of Persia. This great Prince of Persia was, or this Prince of Persia was so great that it took Michael, another great prince who's known as an archangel of the Lord himself, some chief angel. It took his direct intervention in order to get help there. God's ultimate message wasn't thwarted here. God's message was able to get through to Daniel, but it was delayed for 21 days because of this happening. And you have to step back and you have to ask, what is going on here? There are forces so great and so powerful that they fight each other for 21 days on end, and it's not even something that we can imagine I think about my own struggles in this life as I wait patiently for the coffee machine to finish making coffee and get frustrated by those seconds or minutes. Or I think that I'm in some, in the midst of some great spiritual battle when the power goes out for a few hours and thankfully I was able to endure. Yet for 21 days, this powerful angel who was sent directly with a message from the Lord God Almighty was delayed by some equally great and powerful figure. Do you ever feel like you're a little bit smaller than you can even imagine? Daniel did here. This is exactly what we see in verses 15 through 17. This is Daniel's response to this great spiritual battle that this man just kind of talks about as if it's a normal thing. When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. And behold, one of the light, one in the likeness of the children of man touched my lips, and then I opened my mouth and spoke, and I said to him who stood before me, O my Lord, by reason of the vision, pains have come upon me, 
and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now no strength remains in me, and no breath is left in me. Daniel's strength, his breath, everything about him, his senses were completely taken away. And the angel comes to him and comforts him. But even with the comfort, there's more bad news. Look at verses 19 and 20. It's not really bad news, it's just hard. And he said, O man, greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you, be strong and be of courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. So Daniel feels a little stronger. And then this is what the angel says. Then he said, Do you not know I have come? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. He tells them to be strong and to have courage, which he he does. But notice, he's going back to fight against this prince of Persia again. And after that, there's this other prince of Greece that's going to come in that hasn't even been mentioned yet. That's just this other big thing. This fight is non-stop. One foe replaces another in the war for the hearts and the souls of the people of God. And if we're not careful, we might believe that God and His enemies are on equal footing and that there's some kind of balance that we have to concern ourselves with and that we might end up being on the losing side. But none of that's true. There is no equal footing between these princes of Persia and Greece and the power of the Lord. Paul warns the church in this way in Ephesians 6. And notice how his opening words match with those in Daniel 10. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 10 through 12. I commend this chapter to your study as you're trying to make sense of Daniel 10 and the spiritual warfare that's going on there. I think that especially that last portion of Ephesians 6 is particularly good for that. So let's look at verses 10 through 12 of Ephesians 6. And notice Paul's instruction to the people. It's the same as the angel gave to Daniel all those years ago. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We don't war against flesh and blood, but against these rulers, against these princes or principalities that are not of this world beyond the scope of what we can even see or imagine there's a war going on and if we're not careful we could lose heart just by just by thinking of this sort of thing i can't even i can't even fathom what's going on here there are cosmic forces of this present darkness that we cannot comprehend but those who fight for us. Those who have fought for us are so much stronger than those who fight against us. Paul warns the Ephesian church in order to withstand this, to 
put on the whole armor of God, to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, to be praying in at all times in the Spirit. Because this foe is beyond any of us. We can't simply go to war against these things because we can't even see them. We can't just simply mount up and attack them because as far as we're concerned, they're not there. And if we were to see them, we would be like Daniel and just completely be wrecked. We can't fight against these things that are able to hold one of God's angels up for nearly a month. And it's not an issue of we can't do this alone. We can't do it at all. We have, we have no power. And when Daniel thought of the magnitude of all of these things that were going on, he was completely undone. We need someone to stand in our place. And we know that someone. It's Jesus. That brings us to the final point, the eternal victor. Look with me there at the end of Daniel chapter 10 and the beginning of chapter 11 verse 1. Verse 20, then he said, do you not know why I have come to you, but I will return to fight against the prince of Persia, and then I will go out beyond. Behold, the prince of, of Greece will come, and I will tell you that what is inscribed in the book of truth, that there is none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince. And as for me, in the first year of Darius the Mede, I stood up to confirm and strengthen him. So this angel who came to assist Daniel was now explaining to him why he had come. He was there to strengthen and encourage Daniel, but he was also there for only just a short time. Why? Because he had these other businesses to attend to, right? He was had matters elsewhere. The prince of Persia, the, the future prince of Greece was also going to be a thing. And we even read in 11.1 that there was a time where he was there in 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 Babylon holding up the Persian king Darius the Mede while the Jews were being released and going back to Jerusalem. There was all these things going on that Daniel didn't even know about. The war just rages on. We need a comforter who can be with us at all times because because we're frail. We're not even remotely close to Daniel. And look what happened to him. We are helpless in so many ways. We are afraid of those who are on our side much less those who would seek us harm. So we need a hero, a redeemer to rescue us from sin and shame and the one who once for all will feat the, to defeat the powers of this present darkness. And what better way to defeat the darkness with the very light of the world? What did Jesus say? I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And it's not that the darkness is going to be gone. It's not that when Jesus comes, He drives, he, that He eliminates the darkness. It's still here, but we have a light now for our way. We read that God's Word is what? It's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. The psalmist tells us that. Well, Jesus is the very Word made flesh. He is the light of the world. The God who became man and walked among us. The great Prince of Peace is there to counter the prince of Persia or Greece or Murray for that matter. Who knows what's going on around us that we can't even see. But we should no longer fear because our great Savior has arrived and He once and for all will drive darkness away. Daniel looked forward to the day 
of Jesus, and he was glad that he could only see dimly what we see clearly because of the Word that's been given to us. When we look at the stories of history, we know that there's a darkness that is more than just the evil of man that is present there, that something else is obviously going on. As we read through the Scriptures, we're given bits and pieces of that. And so why should we think that that's any different today? It's definitely there. We know that the spiritual forces and cosmic powers are at play, but each of them scurries when it comes to Jesus. We saw them in the Gospels many times. Anytime He came up against a demon, what did they do? They were terrified of Him. They begged Him. They were terrified of the Son of Man made flesh. And so I encourage you, consider then in your own life today, what do we have to be afraid of? What does it mean when we say that we are more than conquerors? We read this in Romans chapter 8. Because we are more than that. We are more than just mere conquerors, but we are the most prized possession of the Lord of hosts, the Lord of this Michael that we read about here, of this Gabriel that we've read about before, and all the other powerhouses that exist in God's army. We are considered His most prized possession. And the One who spoke all of it into existence keeps us in His safekeeping for all eternity. And there's nothing that can stop that. I'll read from Romans 8, verses 37 through 39. And again, keep Daniel 10 in your mind as I'm reading this. Know in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither life nor death, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so what should we do then? Well, for the unbeliever, you need to understand how this, how this is playing out. Understand that these great forces that I'm talking about that are for the people of God they could be for you, but right now they're against you. And in the day of the Lord, in your last day, you will stand before the Lord. The one who spoke all of this business into existence, the one who can speak it into non-existence, will stand, you will stand before Him. And when you meet the Father, the full of His wrath will come upon you if you do not have the righteousness of Christ. Rather than face the Father alone, claim the very righteousness of Christ, which is for you. Call upon the name of the Lord Jesus and be saved. For the believer here, that righteousness of Christ is yours. 100%. And in Christ, you have been made conqueror over the rulers of this world, over sin, over death. And you had nothing to fear and so brothers and sisters in Christ, live as if that is true. Live without fear of today or tomorrow and offer that same hope that we have in Christ to the world around you. Let's go to Him in prayer. Our Lord Jesus, as we read 
these words, we admit our fear of things that You are infinitely more powerful than. But Lord, we don't understand our own frailty. And at the same time, we do not understand Your power. We do not understand our own inability, but we don't understand Your goodness and mercy to us. Lord, help us. Help us to have faith in You, to understand that You indeed are ruler over all the cosmic powers, the princes of wherever and whoever, that You are the ruler over this present darkness. Lord, we pray that You would show us Your light even in our lives and the lives of those around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.